Welcome to Chicago, where the fires serve cold, but the wolves and the hawks never shiver in the snow. The bulls keep it running, the Sox run the south, the Cubs run the north, but the Bears run the house. True Chicago sports fans got their ears to the street. Any team make a move and they never skip a beat. And in this house, this is where we be. Welcome to the show with E-Rock and Big Z. Welcome, 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 welcome to Chicago. Coming from our True Chicago Sports Fan Cave, this is the TCSF Podcast with your host, E-Rock and Big Z. Episode 26 is brought to you by Noir Caesar, Billion Radio Studios, and Rick Clothing Company. As always, I'm Big Z, and I'm going to be here with my co-host, E-Rock. We have an action-packed show. We have a special guest today, salsa recording artist and Chicago's own Enrique Calderon. He'll join us, join us later in the show, and he'll stir the pot with us. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't wait to get into some Bears talk. We'll wrap up the Bears versus the Packers and preview the Bears versus the Saints. <laughs> Drew Brees. Drew Brees. They might not have their running backs because they were on COVID protocol this week, so we got to see maybe. Maybe we have a chance. We might have, you know, we'll be like, thank you, Rona, for what you did to us. <laughs> thank you, 2020, for spilling to 2021. <laughs> All right, but first, this is The Loop. Our Chicago Sports Roundup, where we keep you in the loop. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. So, E, what's going on on the north side of town, brother? We got some news, right? Well... Uh, shortly after our we recorded our show last week, a fan favorite of the Chicago Cubs named Yu Darvish, yeah, is traded to the Padres. He him, sure was. Yeah, him and Caratini, who we talked we talked about this being a possibility, mm-hmm. they get traded away. Yeah. Now, Cubs are not going to get any real talent out of that, in my opinion, because the guys that come into the minors, they had, I think it was Zach Davies or something like that. Zach Davies is the major league player that you got. He and only that's had, it. Out of two major league players and four prospects. Right. So he had a good year last year with the Padres. But other than that, he's been injury prone and really right. hasn't produced much. You Darvish finished second to Trevor Bauer. He sure did. <laughs> In the Cy Young voting. Yep. So right now you're going to be hurting. Now, here's the thing. Uh-huh. The Padres are going for it, man. I'm, yeah. ex- I'm excited. I'm look. I'm not saying this is slight your second favorite team, the Dodgers, but I'm excited to see what the Padres is going to be able to do coming up this year. The Padres are set to win for the next two to three years. Their windows open just as much as the White Sox is. Yeah, and they have to compete with their big brother, the Los Angeles Dodgers, in that division. Yeah, and 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 they have the the firepower to do it now. And you oh, yeah. remember that the Dodgers get starting to get older. Oh yeah, especially in pitching. Mm-hmm. So I mean, now they're they're kind of doing what they need to do. So what I saw today, I saw Jed Hoyer explain that trading away Darvish oh boy. was a way to expand your playoff window. Oh, shit. <sighs> um, uh, okay. So I think, so here, look, we, we can look at it so many different ways. Um, realistically, I think what he's saying is that by getting rid of an older player, an aging player, and trying to get some more in, in back, you can free up some space. You can try to go after some of these younger players because you still have Javi. You still got to figure out what to do with KB. We still got Rizzo in the mix. Schwarber's gone. They're they're uh, aggressively trying to get rid of Contreras. 
mm-hmm. which to me is a mistake because you you can't lose both your major league uh, pitch, uh, catchers the same season. Yeah, I if mean, you expect to contend. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, and there's I mean, besides JT Ramuto, who's who's an all star, right. he's gonna ask for a lot of money. There's really not many catchers out there that you're no. gonna get on a bargain that have that that production but, that he does. But it's, it's not just that his connection with him and Javi. Oh yeah, it's incredible. Oh yeah, you know you you don't see that. You don't see that a lot in the, in the majors where you get two guys that are able to stay in the middle positions of the infield for that long and play together and play that well together. And this is true. Let's be honest here. The trade was a salary dump. Moving Darvish oh, yeah. uh, was a cost-cutting uh, by the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cost-cutting move. There's $59 million remaining on his contract. Right. So, yeah, th- this is a way to dump. The Cubs get Zach Davies, a 27-year-old pitcher with one year left on his contract. Mm. So, again, another, hey, We'll take a little bit of money. That's and a, that's a very jet or that's a very uh, jet Hoyer. Theo, no, Theo, uh, Theo, Theo Epstein. Oh yeah, very Theo Epstein thing to do because look what he did when he brought in Arietta. He brought in Arietta and Strope for I don't even remember who it was, but it was like a one pitcher. It was like Scott Feldman or something like that when he sent him over to the to the Orioles. So I mean, like that's that's what it seems like. But I mean, I think that's what they're gonna do. They might try to see if they can get something out of uh, Davies, if he can look good by the middle of the season, and trade him off to a contender. Because I don't know how. I think they can still win a division the way they're currently constructed, but I'm more really worried about the the starting lineup as far as pitching is concerned, and you know your day to day players. So, I mean, it looks like they brought some some yeah so good young players back. Well, the Cubs brought you know they got Davies in it, and they mm-hmm. they secured two young shortstops, uh, Reginald Preciado. And Yeltsin Santana. Okay. Okay. And they also got two outfielders, Owen uh, Casey. Okay. And Ismael Mena. Okay. These are prospects. These kids are 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. Uh, they're all, all four of them are ranked uh, top 20 in the Padres system. So one out of four, let's say one out of four pans out. <laughs> I mean, come on. So the, the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of people would say that the Cubs got fleeced. Here's my thing about that. It's a salary dump. I don't think they nope. got fleeced. They did on purpose. It, it's, it serves two purposes. Right. It's a salary dump, and yep. you have a player that's going to be getting a little bit older that you can try to get value from. So you bring back a, a major league pitcher who's 27 only for mm-hmm. a guy that's like 34 and four prospects. I get that. That's a lot of players. I get that, but what I would have done is waited to the trade deadline. Wait, wait to the trade deadline to a contender. The Dodgers would have been calling. I guarantee the Dodgers would have been calling. Padres called first and gave five players for two. For you, Caratini, who's a decent major league player. Caratini was he, a throw-in. He, no, he, I'm not saying no. he's a bad player. I said he was no, no, a throw-in. He was, well, he wasn't, what you're saying is he wasn't the prize of that trade. No, not at all. Well, we know that, but the fact of the matter is, is that he is important to you, Darvish. He is. So that right there makes the makes the, the trade for you, Darvish, that much bigger because you also got the guy that, that has been his personal catcher for the last couple of years. Yeah. It's just like when we had Lester and we also got Ross. David, right, got David Ross. So. You know, so I mean, I don't know. I don't think they got fleeced. I, th- I think I think I, you have to move. I think the value of the player also goes with the money. So you don't have to pay all these guys this extra money, especially when they're sitting there talking about, you know, their, their losses of biblical proportions or whatever it was. Well, that's their fault for not budgeting. Correctly, I mean, I, I still I still refute that there's, because there's two budgets. There's a budget for your operation and a budget for your, but your income your comes from the yeah, game outside. day revenue. Yeah, game there day is revenue. no revenue, period. So yeah. they have to do they had to do something. Yeah, I, I get it. I get so it. I don't I don't even I don't even count that to budgetary things. I count to the fact that all of a sudden you had zero income. Well, they're also getting zero income from the neighborhood that they bought out. That's exactly right. So, and that's not their fault. 
It wasn't this. It wasn't that they they bought up all this land, put up all this property, and then did something by their own fault to make that not work. No, it not wasn't their fault. No, not at all. So that's why I say when it can't be a budgetary thing, how, there's no way that you can predict that everything, anything that has to do with indoor anything is shut down. That's not their fault. So it can't be a budgetary thing. Well, so what, what they they're did doing is they're, right they're, now is trying profits, to save. Huh? They, use, they use their profits to reinvest in, in their organization and the surrounding. I, so I that's, think that's, that's what they've been doing for the last few years. No, that's what I'm saying. They used all their, all their profits mm-hmm. and oh, didn't yeah. save anything. Was, not, well, there was no been, emergency fund, no rainy because, day fund. Because they've been playing. They, they, they not only have been paying for the neighborhood, paying for the improvements to Wrigley and around Wrigley, but paying for Jason Hayward. And uh, and all the other free agent, random free agents that they came in with one year, with paying off the rest of Lester's uh, contract, with paying off uh, a Darvish contract. So that's where that money's gone. It's not like they just wasted it and then. Just, well, no, 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 it wasn't wasted. That's was, what I'm saying. So I'm I saying there wasn't there wasn't the much left over anyways. Anyway, so just think about it. It's it's a bad situation for the Cubs. Unfortunately, this is where they're at, and they're making adjustments. And this is and what they this is what's it, happening. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think if they're smart about what they're doing, they can. I think. If they can kind of count this as a year that they they might step back, take a step back, but I think once you complete the season, I think you can come back with a vengeance into into the next season. It just depends, really. It, I think the next thing they have to focus on is what's going to happen with KB. Mm-hmm. Are you going to trade him? Are you going to try to sign him? What are you going to get back from him, and who's going to offer you the most? I think they'll try to sign him, but if they can't sign him, they're going to trade him. Oh, I, I think they're going to trade him. I think that's that's the path. I think I think I feel like the relationship there is just too broken mm-hmm. from what we've heard where, you know, they said that we offered him a contract and he says, Oh, I never I was never offered anything. So somebody's lying. And it's usually not it's usually not the organization because they have nothing to benefit by that. Right. You know, even if it wasn't a contract you wanted to see. But the, from what I heard, Theo the said contract, he offered him, Schwarber. Yeah. Uh, nice contract. Yeah. It wasn't like some Hendricks yeah. and, and, and Baez, all contracts right. after the World Series. And I think they all refused. No, uh, Hendricks took it. Okay. That was the only one. Yeah. So, All right, man. What's going on with the South Side, bro? All right, man. This, uh, this will be short and sweet. The oh, Sox uh, signed Evan Marshall. He was our pitcher, one of our bullpen pitchers. Pretty much Dominic guy. Uh, one of our sturdiest members of the uh, of the White Sox bullpen. He agreed to one year, $2 million deal. Cheap. Super cheap. Yep. He's a stud in the bullpen. And you know what? You're only as good as your bullpen, especially in the playoffs. Uh, we need to uh, Sox still need to have to address their closer issue. Okay. Um, Alex Colome is a free agent. Liam Hendricks, who was on the A's, who mm-hmm. eliminated the White Sox, is also a free agent. So those are your two closers. Your one and two closers out in the market, and they need to sign one of these guys. Okay. What about a DH? DH. That's going to be our problem every year. Every year now, <laughs> like we, I know you're going to say this. Anybody can DH. Yes, I get that. <laughs> I'm saying that the spot is open to any player. Yes. But typically you're going to guy that's a masher. And I know a guy that's a masher that's going to free agent because he just lost his current team. Right. And this is where you might be happy we keep somebody in Chicago. I want Schwarber. Oh, boy. This man hits 30 home runs a year. Yeah. I mean, he can he can hit the ball and he's he's good as a DH. I mean, I think his, his defensive uh, performance has improved. Yes. It's not great. No. It's definitely improved. It's, it's but there's also a lot where he's just like watching the ball in the air and can't figure out where, where he should be under the ball. And and that's tricky to do, especially in somewhere like Wrigley. Yeah. And then he's going to go to a new park and he has to relearn everything all over. Right. Him. So, I mean, either way, 30 home runs, even if he hits 25 as a DH, uh, playing some outfield here and there to right. spell some of the guys. that And the Cubs wouldn't pay him $8 million. So you can get this guy for about five million for yeah. you for one year. Yep. So why wouldn't you? It's an it's a it's a win win. Yeah, I mean, I I think he might draw more interest with a contender, 
just the way that like you know you get these kind of random fringe players who were like the the b or c player on whatever team they came from like a charlotte right. team or a cavaliers team mm-hmm. and they end up on uh the rockets or the uh uh or they're gonna end up on Brooklyn with uh, with Durant and, yeah. and Kyrie, yeah. or that you see them at the end of the bench on the Lakers when on almost every other team they were like the second or third best player. Right. That's you might see something like that where a contending team swoops in, and says Schwarber, hell, I don't even need you most of the time, but what I do is I keep you away from other teams. That is one good thing. That's a, that's a Yankee. Hundred uh, uh, percent. Yeah, that's a Yankee Yankees move. and Red Sox love yes. doing that. But oh yeah, Red Sox aren't doing much right now. Right. The only thing is that right now the baseball hasn't really. Put in set in stone that if there's going to be a DH or not, right? So it hasn't been decided. I want to say that I saw somewhere that that they were leaning towards no for the NL. That that'd be stupid. I agree. I mean, I think you I think you were fine the way you were, and you know you can go back to the anyone can DH thing. Well, you just get to get a guy with a big stick. That's you know realistically, I don't necessarily always need a home run guy. No, I love a guy like Zobrist in there who's just yeah. a slapper. He's a everything. slapper, right? He's just a like, slapper. Just get on he's base. Just getting on base, and right? Then he'll, right, right. He occasionally, uh, you know, pops one out of the park, and then you're like, okay, all right, all right. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, even even if you got a creepy wife. <laughs> <laughs> all right, he was going on in the west side of Chicago, man. Uh, so everyone knows we record on Sundays after the Bears game. Yeah, Bulls are on right now. They are. Yeah. Oh. Why does Jalen Brunson look like he's 47 years old and I know he's like 23 or something? <laughs> Benjamin Button over here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the Bulls played the the Bucks the other day. They took one on the chin. You, you, hey. <laughs> oof, oh, boy. <laughs> um, you know, look, you, you see some flashes of growth, but consistency is not really there. Nope. Zach Levine has the spring back in his step, and Kobe White needs to show he can do it, you know, every night. Um, it was a tough night for them. You know, they they – Gave themselves a little bit to feel good about for some of the past week, but the upcoming schedule doesn't offer much uh, reprieve. Right now, the the Bulls are playing the Mavericks at the UC, um, and then they start a four-game trip against the Western Conference. Uh, Four of the five next games are against uh, playoff teams from last year. So this stretch is really going to prove... Pro- this, stretch, <laughs> this stretch is really going to provide a much truer test of the, the steps the Bulls need to take in order to move forward yeah this is really going to test the waters for them they're going to say if they can swim in a deep end with these players the, these teams that made the playoffs that are well constructed that have played together mm-hmm. and then you got these bulls who are very inconsistent kobe uh they're White's, babies they are they're, they're babies. babies man i mean like zach levine's the oldest guy at 25 well zach levine is finally healthy yeah yeah and and that's the biggest thing that he's finally healthy porter jr is you know here and there mm-hmm. uh Thaddeus Young is here and there. Yeah, I mean, well, Thad, so you got uh, Sadaransky is still out, and today he po- tested positive for uh, COVID. For COVID, yep. You also had, um, I think, Lowry was out uh, yep. the last game. Yep, he was. There was a couple of, uh, I think Chandler Hutchinson was out, and I think that was more uh, COVID protocol as well. Right, yeah, this COVID thing is still lingering in 2021. and uh, the- A team that's not that talented overall or not but that will put together is devastating for them, especially yeah. because they don't have the backup players or the bench. No, you lose your death. Correct. All right. Well, Williams uh, was was quoted saying, "I want to be the guy that guards the best players night in and night out." I mean, I like it. I like I like that, your enthusiasm, that, kid. Yeah. All right. Tonight, uh, so he says, tonight was definitely a step forward for me. Uh, just getting more comfortable guarding guys like that is not easy at all. But when you got when you got it, you got to find a way to do it. So this, I'm, I'm he's talking about guarding talking Giannis. About Giannis yeah. yeah. And so he he literally was showing the reporters the bruises on his chest. Yeah. He said, "My chest really hurts from all the." Attentententcupo. Yeah, he put he put him shoulder shoulder to his chest, mate. You know, he's he's a grown man. 
Yeah, oh, no, he's definitely a real man. I mean, like he's he's a big dude, but Pat Williams, I think he has the type of frame and the type of body that you're going to see him definitely get bigger over the yeah, time. Yeah, he's going to fill out. So you know, once you see him fill out some and you see his skills like um, get a little bit more finesse, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a very good player in the NBA. I think he's show- already showing flashes, and he already looks like an NBA player. He does, and I'd, we hope that he turns into an A player and not another B player right? because we have enough B players on the Bulls. Dude, that's what I've been harping about this whole time. Unless yeah. Pat Williams turn into a superstar, all of this has been for naught because you're not going anywhere without really good players, and that's just what it is in the NBA. Agreed. All right, the other team on the US, on the UC on the west side, the Blackhawks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jumbled that up. The Blackhawks will begin their NHL shortened season 53 games on January 13th against the champs. The Tampa Bay Lightning. Wow. And they'll do that without their captain. Yeah, man. Uh, Taves is, is – something is going on with Taves. Um, he didn't let you know what it was. I no, mean, he, no. didn't say, he didn't say it was COVID. He didn't say it was this or that. So here, here's the thing. If you remember a couple of years back, you had Brian Bickle who kept getting sick, kept getting sick. He was getting sick on the ice. He was getting yes, sick off the ice. Yes. And it turned out – I want to say he had um, – I think it was MS. I'm gonna, we're going to make yeah, sure we get yeah, that correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to say he had MS, and um, he was getting nauseous. He was feeling weak, all this stuff. I actually did a service call. I want to say it was in his either brother-in-law or his, her his wife's house or whatever it was. But there was, like, pictures of them everywhere, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And he was actually, like, at, on a road trip uh, to the doctor while that while I was there. So I didn't actually see him. But, yeah, he um, he just started feeling sick. So this kind of, you saw something similar happen with Marion Hosa where he had that skin thing. Um, and then it's kind of forced him out of the game. So, I mean, I'm hoping this is something that um, that Taze doesn't have to worry about. Yeah, Bickle did have the MS. Um, and, again, MS is a MFR. Yeah. Let me put it that way. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, My mother-in-law had it, and, and yeah. she had that and diabetes, and that kind of just that wiped her out, man. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, losing your captain is it, it, tough. That's going to put more, more pressure on uh, Kaner. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna put, it's gonna put more pressure on the team as a whole. The whole team is gonna have to step up uh, without uh, Taser out there. I mean, that's that's your captain, that's your heart and soul of the team. And you know, last year we kind of saw him falter when they when they really needed to win. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this this season is their shortened season, so it's really gonna be up in the air. So, Taves came out and he did uh, put out a statement, and I'm gonna read it for you guys real quick. He says, this offseason, I've been experiencing symptoms that have left me feeling drained and lethargic. I'm working with doctors so I can better understand my condition. Until I can get my health back to a place where I feel I can perform at an elite level and help my team, I will not be joining the Blackhawks for training camp. I do not have a timetable for when I will rejoin the team. I'm extremely disappointed, but it wouldn't be fair to myself or my teammates to attempt to play in my current condition. Taves thanks the Blackhawks organization, coaching staff, front office, and ownership for their understanding, and then address the fans. To Blackhawks fans, I will continue to do whatever I can to get back on the ice and return to the game I love for the team I love. I will not be making any further comment at this time and ask everyone to please respect my privacy as I focus on my health and recovery. And just class act. I mean, it's it's a classy statement. It's I like how he kind of just. I mean, I'm sure somebody wrote that for him. We we all know yeah. how that works, yeah. but. Um, he disclosed everyone. He talked to the fans. He told us, Hey, hopefully this is okay. Now, like I said, similar happened with Bickle, mm-hmm. similar happened with Hosa. Right. You know, I, it doesn't sound good. Whatever's going on with him. Yeah. And it doesn't they, sound like COVID. Right. If they don't know what it is. Right. That, that's a problem. Right. right. And it's all that, like, 
all that movement. People forget like how much like you know <laughs> hockey players are athletes. Yeah, it's like playing football, in, yeah. soccer, and basketball at the same time. Right. Yeah. It's just all right. More news. Uh, another injury news for the Blackhawks. Yeah. yeah Kirby Doc uh, will miss four to five months after having surgery on his fractured right wrist. Yeah. Uh, Doc was playing for Team Canada. Was hurt during an exhibition, an exhibition win against Russia. Uh, this is in the junior championships. Okay. Yeah, the 19-year-old's injury was seemed to be a harmless body check in a neutral zone in the third period. After the hit, Can- the Canadian captain was pulled off, uh, pulled off his glove, skated off the ice, and went directly to the locker room area. So another young cat that was up and rising, yeah. and he's out. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it looks like they're they're kind of falling apart all over the place. It looks like uh, Alexander Nygaard, yep. t- 22-year-old kid. I'm telling you. He underwent knee surgery, and it's gonna be he's going to be out for four to six months. So that's three players. You know, so, I mean, you're already behind the eight ball right there. Right. And and these are injuries, You, I mean, like, your wrist, you need your wrist. Yeah, it's a wrist shot. Come you know, on. You know what I mean? And, and the knee? That's everything. Yeah, they put all the pressure on there. Uh, Andrew Shaw is good back on, you know, on, <laughs> that's the only good news I got for the Blackhawks. I mean, we do, we, the Blackhawks also did sign, uh, re-sign Dylan Strom on a two-year contract extension. The team announced today, actually, and this is a cap hit of $3 million. This uh, needed to be done yeah. because everyone else is out. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like, please, please. Well, here's your money. Please, please play. Please. Yeah, I mean, it's good for him. Yeah, you know, good for him to to be able to get his money. Shazi's back, also. So you know, at least some things are looking good for the Blackhawks. But I mean, having three players out right now, as far as we're looking, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know how strong we're gonna be uh, looking for this team to be coming out the gate. No. In Blackhawks related news, okay. and this is kind of funny because. He's kind of my neighbor. He's like a block and a half down from me. Really? Yeah. Scott Darling has given oh. a professional tryout, has been given a professional tryout with the Florida Panthers after playing three sense. seasons with the Blackhawks and posting a 92% save percentage. Darling signed a massive contract with the Caroline Hurricanes. That's when we still had, you know, the mm-hmm. Crow. Right. Yeah. However, things didn't, didn't end up working there. Darling hasn't played since the 18-19 season. Which Wait. is wild because he was yes. good for the Hawks. Yes, he was good for the Hawks. He get he got all that money from Carolina. Yep, and then he just chilled. He just he, he chilled. Just, he Literally. just floated away like a fart in the wind. No man, he chilled. Man, I would walk by him like, hey, what's up? Just sitting there, <laughs> you just walk by. Yeah, I would walk by his house. I know where it's at. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, this might have something to do with some coach that's in Florida. Strange. Mm. Wonder how that works. Yeah, you know, you know, we got that coach Q. Mm, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> So, look, so look, look at what Madden does. He like kind of hey. has people trailing behind him and just exactly. join up with him wherever he goes. Yeah. So the Florida Panthers don't have much depth at the goalie position. So getting him in there is going to assure that up if he gets a position. Mm-hmm. The Panthers have Sergey, oh, Jesus, these hockey names, uh, Bobrovsky, Bobrovsky, and Come Chris. On, bro. <laughs> I know, right? Growing up in Chicago, I should know these. Uh, Chris uh, Dry Dreiger, Dreiger, yeah, Dreiger. I got it right. Dreiger, Dreiger, whatever. NHL. <laughs> <laughs> at the NHL level, and adding Darling will add more depth at the position. This is the sh- short. This is, this is when season. you get the inner city kids talking about hockey again, yeah. trying to pronounce these names. Yeah, play that hockey, man. Play, hey, let's do that hockey. <laughs> All right, hey, true Chicago sports fans, like what you hear. So we do have a little bit of college football news. Oh, what? what? There's college news still. Come there on, a, there was a couple of bowl games here. We had one good and one bad uh, in the. Citrus Bowl, Northwestern beat up on Auburn, 35-19. Uh, probably one of their best uh, wins of the season. 
defense looked great. You're playing against a pretty strong traditionally team. Um, Peyton Ramsey, you know, has been doing his thing out there. Um, I mean, there's not not a ton. Uh, there's so there's sorry, there's so much you can say about Ramsey. Uh, 24 for 35, 291 yards and three touchdowns. Kid look good. The kid look good. Cam Porter, uh, 98 yards rushing with a touchdown. Peyton Ramsey had a rushing touchdown, a plus, uh, 50 yards running. So I mean, Northwestern capped off a very strong season and got it done. Was this expected? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think it was expected for them to win. They did have a great season. They had a couple hiccups here and there, but this just solidifies. Well, the- Pey- Peyton Ramsey was a transfer. Peyton Ramsey was a graduate transfer that came in, and I think that was the key to their whole season. That plus playing really strong defense, and a lot of I think the other thing too is that we saw a lot of Big Ten um, not because they, they start they didn't start on time, and I think no, Northwestern just stayed training, stayed training, and I think a lot of the bigger programs kind of just relied on what they had. And aside from Ohio State, you didn't really see another uh, Big Time team really kind of come out and fight. Yeah, I mean this this college year was was kind of difficult to gauge just because you had some teams playing. 11, 13, 15 games, and then right. some other teams just playing six games. Uh, Northwestern played a total of nine games, right. where Auburn played 11. Yeah, and Northwestern was so seven and two. And yeah, but they weren't in the same division, and that's why. Right, so you like, you know, college uh, schedule strength and all that stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. so the, the strength of schedule thing yeah, is weird. Yeah. And the thing is, is that you're looking at um, two different divisions who didn't play each other all year, or two different conferences didn't play each other all year. Right. So one conference started way later than the other. That's why Northwestern doesn't have as many games. Eh, it's whatever. This, I mean, this solidifies, you know, their legacy of being a great program. Yeah, absolutely. So Fitzgerald isn't going anywhere, no. people. No, he has no – I said it before. Fitzgerald should never leave Evanston. He can live like a king there for the rest of his yeah, life. Yeah, he will be a god on, on campus, so. Unfortunately <laughs> the, the other, other bowl, the other bowl. The other bowl, <laughs> the Rose Bowl. It was great to see, you know, one of my favorite teams in the Rose Bowl. It was not great to see the outcome. Oh, boy. <laughs> My Notre Dame Fighting Irish, number four Notre Dame Fighting Irish, lost 14-31 to against the number one undefeated Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, you know, look, Alabama came out, smacked this in the face right away, 14 nothing in the first quarter. Uh, Notre Dame finally got a touchdown going in the second quarter. By, by halftime, Alabama was already up 21-7. I already texted my my buddy, who is my neighbor over here, who is a huge Alabama fan. I says, "Hey man, tell these dudes to chill. What's going on here?" Well, to tell you the truth, I mean Notre Dame had a great season, but they are not on caliber with these other teams that were in the no. in the Final Four. I mean, excluding you know they were the four seed, but there's no way they should be playing Alabama, Clemson, but Ohio the, State. But but there, there's no reason if, if that's their rank, that's their rank. You know what I, I mean? Get like that. That, you, what are you supposed to do with that? You know what I mean? Clemson and and they're they're up there with Clemson as far as and they beat Clemson the, the first time. Yeah, it was with a backup, but right. that kid's not, it's not like the kid's a slouch. No, you know what I mean. So and then they lost to him the second time. So I mean, they lost that one and they lost against Alabama. So I think we know that they're not the same caliber. But I also want to take into consideration is that you know how incredibly difficult it is to get into and stay in Notre Dame. Not only that, but also to do that for Northwestern as well because these are traditionally, these are true and tried and true programs where you have student athletes and not just athletes who happen to be students. That's correct. So that's a big thing. And and when you have that, it's, it's going to be much harder to find and get those kids that are just so, so much more talented. I'll give you an example. If you go back 
on SportsCenter, on every <laughs> meme, on every gif that you're going to see in the next uh, week leading up to the uh, or the next couple of days leading up to that college football game. I think you're talking about that. Hop. It's, it's going to be Najee Harris hurtling over a defender in that yeah. game, and that's when we're like, well, I guess this game's over. Like as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is not fair. <laughs> please, <laughs> please stop, please. You know, it was it was watching like you know the the thirty eight year old fighter getting beat up by the twenty two year old in the UFC. You're just like, please, please throw in the towel, please just stop. throw in the towel, please guys. Stop. He's out of blood. There's no more left. Please <laughs> <laughs> let him be. I mean, Ian Book put up some good numbers: twenty seven for thirty nine, two twenty nine mm-hmm. yards, no touchdowns, one interception. So th- that's that's you know. And then Mac Jones put up uh, four touchdowns. So there's your difference, right? There's there. your difference, right there. I mean, Notre Dame will continue uh, put out a great program. And we'll be fighting for a bowl year in and a year out. But you're you're gonna have your typical Notre Dame players. Ian Book is gonna get drafted somewhere, probably like in the oh, third yeah. or fourth round, maybe probably yeah. a little later. So I think there's enough good quarterbacks where he's not gonna get high enough. But he'll he'll end up as a backup somewhere, and you know he might get a chance here and there. But he's not gonna be a starter in the NFL. I think we know that. But he yep. is a winner, like he's a proven winner. So I think he's a good guy to have in your locker room in the NFL as a rah rah guy, things like that. Um, Agreed. I mean, you know, Notre Dame puts out linemen. Both on the offensive yeah. and defensive oh, line, absolutely. So yeah, that, that's no, their no. bread and butter, and yeah, that you see, you'll see those guys playing. The thing, the guys that you see really successful from Notre Dame are typically offensive linemen. Uh, receivers have had a pretty good run, and then you usually see a lot of running backs. They might not be the star, but you're going to see them as their second and third running back on most mm-hmm. teams. So, but they have some very, very good uh, wide receivers. Tight ends is another one. A lot yep. of Notre Dame tight ends in the NFL. So, Cole Komet, Cole Komet. You know what I mean? Like, uh, what's what's the uh, Kyle Rudolph is mm-hmm. a Notre Dame guy. Um, the the kid from Cincinnati that was there for Tyler Eifert. Eifert, yes. Uh, there's so there's um I there's one more that I can't I can't remember, but there's some very good uh, tight ends coming out of Notre Dame. So that's going to be your bread and butter. You, they're able to recruit that position. They're not going to ever really be the top tier, even how high they're ranked. I'm sorry, not yeah. not in this day and age. No, no, no. Well, until next year for college football. Well, we got one more game. We got Alabama and. Uh, no man for us. Oh yeah. Well, I, I we're, I'm still going to want to talk about Alabama. Because you got Alabama and uh, and who is it? It's not Ohio State. Ohio State with Justin Field. That's and gonna be a good game. It's gonna be a good game. We're gonna see who's gonna win the Heisman in the next couple of days. So, um, whose stock is gonna go up? Right. And Trevor Lawrence getting his butt beat. Yeah, that's he did why. not look good. No, he didn't. He did not look good. So I'm wondering, he's probably still gonna be the one number one overall pick. But now you're gonna hear some some questions about him. Right. So, which you never really heard before. Nope. 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 So uh, Jacksonville, you're on the clock. Woof. <laughs> Hey, true Chicago sports fans, like what you hear? Give us some feedback, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your listening app. We'll be right back after a brief word from our sponsor. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Welcome back to the True Chicago Sports Fans Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah. Are you ready for some football? I was. It's time for some Bears talk. <laughs> this is three and out. All right, boys. This week was do or die for the Bears. Fortunately enough, they got rammed into the playoffs, brothers. <laughs> they, 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 yeah, they, they did. They got they got rammed in from the back door. Hey, 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 keep it clean. <laughs> All right, boys. That's right. Boys, what happened to the offense that was scoring 30 points a game, boys? What happened? I mean, I'll tell you what happened is that they're getting into the red zone and not scoring touchdowns. 
that's point blank what it is. They started off the game with that scoring drive, and they got the touchdown, and they went up there, and they just let Aaron Rodgers do it right back to them. And the best that they did all all year or all game, sorry, mm-hmm. the best that they did all game was like this. This when they showed the stat lines, it was the same as one average Aaron Rodgers stat line with a drive and a touchdown as the result. Yeah, it's pathetic. Man, what you ran up against was uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need a whole lot. Excuse my keys. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need a whole lot of time and possession to damage do do the damage. And uh, I, I just thought that uh, the Bears just got too conservative with the play calling. The game plan was yeah. it was fine in my opinion. The time of possession and all of that that, that was a one. It was just uh, you know, when it was time to take your shots. You know, they just settled for the underneath stuff, man, and then Green Bay secondary just continued to sit on it. And exactly, and there, and the, there you take your shots. Exactly. So they they didn't continue with the plays they were doing well. They got they got uh, addicted to one play that was that was getting good to them a couple times. And then the third and fourth time they tried it, uh, you know, and you could tell it was coming because you see a yeah. defender coming right for Mitch. He throws it out. You got Mooney up com- coming up on the left side and he gets some yards on it. Mooney had probably his best game of his, of his career. But the problem is, is that they were able to march down the field and not score. And when they did get that turnover earlier earlier on in the game, they didn't capitalize on that score and then they gave the ball away and the Packers went right down the field and got another touchdown. So when you're getting the ball and you're not taking advantage of the opportunities that are handed to you when you make it to the run zone and you're not scoring the touchdown, that's a failure. Yeah, we said this on live. If if you're over here playing checkers and Aaron Rodgers over here playing 3D chess, right. I mean, it's just impossible to win. You can't continue to go up against the Packers and be like, all right, fourth and three, fourth and one, fourth and one, and think that you're going to be able to move the ball all the time. It's just impossible to go 100% on fourth down. No, I mean, here's the thing. We'll look at the stats real quick. Bears, 356 total yards. Packers, 316. Bears, 248 passing yards. Packers, 237. Bears, 108 rushing yards. Packers, 79. Bears, yards per play, 4.8. Packers seven point two, mm-hmm. so that's your difference right there because that's where you add up. And the other the thing field. is that you are scoring touchdowns when you get the ball, and you don't need that much time to score that that touchdown. No, you're taking advantage of the opportunities that are given to you, and that is what the Bears did not do. Yep, and and I think what the the Bears are uh, truly missing is what Aaron Rodgers has always had the luxury of, even if the other guys aren't there, he's always had a number one guy. And yeah, a guy that can win against against press, against zone, they're on the same page all the time. Makes it easier for the other guys to get open, man. We have to scheme our guys open, whereas Aaron Rodgers knows that Devontae Adams is going to win. Right. All right. So, Will, my question to you is, what happened to AR? Did they scheme him to, to, to be like, we're not going to let you get any catches, we're not going to let you beat us, use your other weapons and see what you can do? Or or was he just not schemed on the Bears side to to be open and to be used in a more effective way? Well, what what happens is uh, the new offense that is 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 quite effective if the defense is playing mm. well. I'll get to that in a second. Mm. Uh, you're cutting off half of the field, so you you become so one dimensional that you're you're able to cover Allen Robinson without having to really devote that much attention to him. Because if you're going to line him up on the on on whatever side of the formation that uh that you're featuring him on, they know 
that he's he's you know going to be targeted like you know what I mean. So it's kind of like with see, Mitch not being able to read the entire field. You know what I mean? It, it agreed, makes it makes agreed. the offense uh, but, extremely one dimensional. Not that you can't win I, that way, I, but I don't think I don't think the the reason why you didn't see. Uh, AR with a bunch of receptions is because of Mitch. I think realistically what happened is you're seeing Mitch actually seeing more of the field because he's not only targeting Allen Robinson. You saw Mooney with catches. You saw David Montgomery with nine receptions today. Cole Komet had seven catches. Okay. A-Rob, Miller, Jimmy Graham with two apiece. So what I'm what I'm saying is that you're seeing him actually move off of Allen Robinson and target other players. I, I think what it was is that the bootleg yeah. – was well, to the opposite side of of, of uh, AR, uh-huh. that, which allowed all the rest of me to get open. And right. that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, and he Mitch is not able to get to his progression to come all the way back to where AR is right, lined up. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So well, what's happening? The ball distribution I, isn't seeing the field. You know what I mean? Whoever is yeah. ro- whoever's open on the side that Mitch is rolling to, though that that's who's getting the ball. You know what I mean? He's not. You know, the only time he came back. Was the fifty-three yard bomb in the moon? He came back right. to the other side, of, which, and that was there. All which day. was short, and that was short too, because if you would have hit him in stride, that's yeah, that's, that's the easy touchdown if he hits him in stride, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think with that one, I mean, I think that he was surprised that he was open because he doesn't get a lot of chances like that, and he just no. saw me. He's like, "Oh crap, <laughs> let, let me throw a bomb and see what happens." And I mean, look, I, I think I'm not mad at the stats today at all. I'm no. mad at the execution. Yeah. That's exactly I'm mad what at it the was. Execution. I'm mad at the um, not taking advantage of the opportunities that are given to you when the when the other team fumbles the ball and you sit there in the red zone and you can't score a touchdown. You have to settle for three. Mm-hmm. I'm mad at reaching the end zone after a long drive and having to settle for three. That's yeah. what I'm mad about. You know what I mean? I'm mad about a 50 yard bomb and having to settle for three. Right. The game plan. That's what today. I'm upset about. The game plan worked. Right. You kept Aaron Rodgers on the sideline for most of the game. Right. And That's they ran the want. ball. Twenty uh, Montgomery had twenty two rushes. I mean, right. It, I, I told E before we even when I got here. I'm like, we need thirty rushes out of, out of Montgomery to keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. You're right. All right. So what about that defense? How how did our defense uh, share uh, hold up against Aaron Rodgers? Uh, right away, man. Roquan Smith going down early immediately yep. exposed the middle of the field. And uh, sure did. Yeah. Chuck, Chuck Pagano is. Uh, I think he's a little long in the tooth as far as his uh, concepts. And uh, you got to play a lot more nickel. If you, you know, big nickel, if you're going to play against Aaron Rodgers, man, he's spreading the ball around. He's uh he's got five wide, you know, they got exotic formations going, man. They got trips, you know, they got, uh, you know, they got uh, flanking out uh, Aaron Jones. You know what I mean? They, they just, they're all on the, you know, clicking on one cylinder, man. So, you, you've got to play a lot of nickel. You know, Josh Woods, uh, it's a lot to ask a guy, come on in and and cover these drag routes across the middle of the field. And, you know what I mean? Right. And it's just that they, they know how to get the matchups that they want, man. And uh, when your best player and, goes down, because uh, to me, in my opinion, he, he, he has been the best player. Yes, he's been the heart and soul of the defense Absolutely. all year. Absolutely. So he's been the him, heart and soul, and all of a sudden you lose him. And then you realize, oh, I'm in trouble because, you know, you, you that's when you realize how much he really does. And another name that I will mention, again, is Tariq Cohen because, oh, he, we don't need him. He's just a gadget. Okay. Oh, but no. now you when you need him for that little trick, he's not there and they're trying to do it with Patterson. Well, anytime, that, anytime you're missing a guy on the offense that has to be accounted for, 
Yes. And you're at a disadvantage, man. It's recon. Is, and the uh, thing is, you don't have that. to like the way that he, he reacts when he does get the ball. But you got to realize that he is a critical part. When they, well, you saw when they tried to run a screenplay, and it was just miserable. Put Cohen in there, strain it out a little bit, and you're, you're ready to go. So, I mean, he can't, you know, he's never going to be your number one running back. You just cannot do that. But by the same token, as a number two, he's, you know, he's great for that role, especially the way they like to play. Yeah, and he's an effective slot receiver for the Bears, man. You know yep, what I mean? Absolutely. You you have Tariq Cohen. Uh, Allen Robinson's opened a lot more. Uh, Miller's absolutely. opened a lot more. Mooney's opened a lot more. You know what I mean? So and you never have to throw it to uh, whims. Well, Jesus. Well, yeah, you don't have to. You never have to throw it to Patterson because he has no like. He's like the dude that unless he's running straight forward, he has no idea what to do with the ball once he actually gets it. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you want Pat- Patterson for what he is an elite special teamer, man, and that's. That's that's as far as it should go, man. Like every time he's on the right. field, you you know he's getting the ball. He's involved in in, in the run action. Yeah, he, he's not he's not even a decoy because he's not an, he's not good enough to be a decoy. Exactly, exactly. Three corn, you have to account for that guy. Uh, right. You know. So what, I mean? what are your uh, what are your grades for this week? What are your offensive grade this week? Uh, offense, uh, I'll give the offense a B minus, man. Like time of possession was good. Just got to finish those drives. You finish those drives, yeah. you probably come out with a win today because the game plan. hundred percent. You just can't you can't go out there and get three against uh, Aaron Rodgers, man. It, well, and and again, like I said, it's not just it's not just about that game plan. It's about when you get that ball in a turnover, which never happens. Right. You have to turn yeah. that into seven. That's yep. the gotta, way that they gotta, did against you us. Turn those into points. Absolutely, man. Hundred percent agree with that. Uh, yeah, you, you just can't afford to give Aaron Rodgers opportunity to go and get seven and, and trade him right. for three. You just can't. And, I, I, not, and I'm not just saying this for the Bears. Any team. Ever. This goes, this goes great for the defense. Yeah, great for the defense. Uh, defense, man. De- uh, the injuries kind of. We, we really missed. Uh, Roquan. Uh, Roquan, yeah. Jalen Johnson we, was we out. Jalen Johnson out, yeah. And, you didn't uh, miss Buster Screen. <laughs> He, he, you, you know didn't. what? After watching no, Duke you, Shelley you play didn't. this afternoon, I miss Buster Screen. After seeing Duke <laughs> Shelley this afternoon, it reminded me of Buster Screen. Because a lot of those, I, it, a lot of those not, missed tackles. Uh, Buster Screen where, makes tackles. I'll give him that. He's uh, a, he, no, no. <laughs> he does a lot of hitting. He does a lot of shoulder hitting. Compared, Buster Screen misses what a lot Duke of tackles Shelley too. Did today, I'll take Buster Screens tackling over. I'll take Buster Rhymes before I take Buster Screen. Uh, I, I think you need to go put on the tape again, bro. And and watch what you saw from Duke Shelley today as opposed to what but you've every seen time, from, uh, but How many times have, have you and I got on here and just dogged out on Buster Screen? You know what I mean? Like And Duke it, you know, Shelley is you twice can, as you bad. can miss him. Duke Shelley mm. is twice as mm. bad. So I mean all, both, ultimately you must upgrade that. They're both doo doo butter. You got to upgrade yeah. the corner. That's a must. All right, what's our grade for the coach? Uh, man, <laughs> Nagy. Uh, I'm gonna give Nagy a C, man. Um, right in the middle. Uh, yeah. fluff, fluff. I think fluffy he, as he I, gets. Yeah, I think that fourth and one uh, that was a Nagy call. Just like let's throw it in. I'm like, guys. You have Montgomery run it up the middle. Mitch can go over the one yard line by himself. You know, and he, they've done it several times. He, he, right, you know there was what? no need to throw. I, and I, w- I want to add this: uh, they gotta let Mitch run the ball more, man. Like, spread the field. 
Yeah. Like, man. But let, use his legs. That, use that his was legs, the whole. Bro. Use the weapons that, you got. That was the whole idea of his, um, you know, his ceiling being so high is that he had these incredible legs and he can kind of get it in and yeah. out, which Rodgers can do just now with the ferocity that, that Mitch would be able to do. I mean, he's getting he's getting time to roll out. He can run the ball. And he's still on the right side of 30 where he can he can actually take advantage of that athleticism before it gets away from him. Right. Uh, yeah, he you know, he, that, he that, learns how to slide when, when, it's, when it's necessary. Man, he could be hitting, <laughs> he can hit teams for seven yards a pop every time he rolls out if he wanted. Like it's so much so I'm gonna, room to run, man. It's just that he he has to make his mind up too to also tuck yeah. and run. Like he's yeah, he's, still he, he's and, and he did that. He, he but that well no, but you got to remember that's what he did in, in his first season with Nagy. He said he would run the ball all the damn time. Mm-hmm. He would run all the time, and that's how he got hurt. Hey, you know that that's, that was, well, and, and that's fine. But what I'm saying is that like you're gonna start getting a little gun shy if that's your injury. Look, look at look at uh, what happened with Cam Newton. That was his bread and butter is being able to run, and like he got knocked around enough where the refs really were not giving him his due and and actually calling the the, the penalties against him well, or, we, or for him once he got beat up. Ways. We can't be afraid no. to run him, and then that be like his main weapon. Like no, no, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, like I, agree I don't, 100%. I don't care about so, his health at the end of the day. That's why they make millions. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I do want to bring this up, and this is exactly what I predicted was going to happen. Three season in with the Chicago Bears, Matt Nagy has never had a losing season. Oh boy, he's coming uh-huh. back. They already, they already uh, announced it. Right, already said, but yeah. now here's my question to you: Do you think he deserves to come back? I'm not. I'm not mad at him. As long as he's not calling the plays, I'm fine with that. He could design the right. plays all he wants, as long as he's not calling the plays. And you yeah, have, that's that's you have to. Continue. He's got to take that Bill Belichick approach. Let yeah. him oversee and use his, let his coordinators do what they do. Yeah, let let the coordinators do what they do, man. I couldn't have said it any better, man. And you still got to go out and uh, get get some. Uh, I, I see where the personnel can work, but if mm-hmm. I'm the Bears, I'm I'm doing everything I can to go. Uh, First of all, either our franchise or re-sign Allen Robinson, Hooker Crook. I don't care who you mm-hmm. gotta move around to make it happen. Uh, there's always ways to make money in the NFL as far as cap space. Uh, right. You gotta get. You gotta have him back, and then you have to go out and get somebody who could play next to that guy, man. And then Mooney would be elite in the slot all day. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing too. Cole is stud. That's my guy. Oh, definitely. I, look, man, I've been preaching for that for two years since he was in Notre Dame. So, I mean, I was frustrated. I was I was glad they finally started using him. And he's over there putting the shoulders out there, I, you know, trying to play, trying to hurt Notre Dame on Green Bay. <laughs> well, well, that, you know what? It, I mean, he's from Chicago area, so he, mm-hmm. he's over there trying to hurt hurt some Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so look, we know Mag, we know uh, Matt Nagy's coming back because it's not only rumored, but you know, it's confirmed at this point for the most part. Everyone's saying that he's coming back. You usually kind of hear those rumblings, and they're typically true. Um, but now you have two other guys that are going to be out there that you really have to make a big decision on. And number one is Mitch Trubisky, and number two is Ryan Pace. So what would you do with those two guys? Bring them both back, man, because it's no, if you're not okay. blowing it up, if yep. you're not blowing it up, you, you, you got to run it through. Yeah. You got to run. You got to run it back. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, Nagy cost us at least three wins. I, I stand on that. Yeah. Oh, with, yeah. I agree. With, that, with that boneheaded decision to put in foes. Yeah, but not and, because uh, of that. We have to play and, and, the and since Saints. You're playing, exactly. And since you're paying that dude twenty million dollars a year, right? You got to see that he's not worth it. He's he 
Nick Foles is oh, he's a, a relief pitcher yeah. that has to have everything. He's the, the microwave. He's okay when he's perfect. hot, but other than that, he's garbage. Mm-hmm. Everything has to be and, perfect for that dude to win. And it, it, and it, and the times he's come in, it's been perfect for him. Right. And yeah, and he's, had, he's he been in the perfect position to be able to go ahead and, and uh, finish out the game when they needed him. And that's what he did in Atlanta, and that's the only reason that they – they kept him on for so many weeks when, like I've said, I, I've been saying for the entire season, it, that was a huge mistake. I'll trade that Atlanta win for the other three wins we probably get. if Mitch 100% is all the way. All so, right. As we punt it over to next week, what's your prediction against New Orleans? Uh, time to go fishing. It's time to go fishing next week. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> Nothing. Time to go fishing. Uh, I, I, you know, this, you know, this season is, you know, we learned some things, man. And mm-hmm. we, we learned that we can compete. Uh, but we, we got some retooling that needs to happen. And I think next year you can be uh, a, a 10 or 11 win team if you, you know, you really solidify your identity from day one in training camp. I, I absolutely agree with that. You know, tough, hard running, get it out to your tight ends. You know, use your slot receiver properly. Mooney looks like he's going to be a star in this league. So hold on to A-Rob, get Mooney, get someone else who can play on the other side of the field, like you said, take advantage of your tight ends, run the ball. I think they really need another running back that's going to be able to a be a complementary piece mm-hmm. with Montgomery. Uh, yeah, like they can bring back Cohen, but have, I want to uh, see all they, three. They have Dylan Williams, any guy right. get in there and be productive. We need Aaron Jones. Ryan Nall and... Uh, Artavius Pierce is not going to cut it. No. So you have to. All right. Well, give us your score for next week. Uh, well, I don't see them Saints blowing us out. Uh, mm. They'll try to keep their offense off the field again. I ultimately think the Saints are just, you know, way more talented than we are at this point. And uh, I'll say 27 uh, 20 Saints get the W. Okay. 27 20. I'm I hope with I'm it. wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but yeah. Yeah, we'll I mean, un- unless you're looking at a couple of pick sixes stuff, you know. or something crazy happening, like a run back or something like that. I mean, I think, honestly, that's their best chance. If you see Patterson, like, streaking down the field for a touchdown, then they should be in good shape. But uh, that's gonna ha- that's something that they're going to have to happen in, like, the third quarter. Because if they happen in the first, Old New Orleans is going to have enough time to re- adjust and, yeah. you know, kind of make a game plan. Like, okay, we're down by seven or whatever. But if they if the Bears can keep it close and then get a pick or like a run back or a pick six in like the third quarter, all of a sudden you kind of knock the Saints back and you can kind of recover that way. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. I see twenty eight seventeen Saints. Yeah, yeah I mean too, too many weapons. Everybody, uh, you know, experience in that system. Them guys know how to win in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be tough. I mean, you know, anything can happen though, man. Uh, yep. Like I said, we'll see. Like I, we'll see. Like I said, all you need is a chip and a chair, bro. That's it. I agree, man. Uh, yeah, that's where we at with it, man. All right. All right, everybody. That is our Bears analyst, Il Brown. Check him out every week for his Bears expertise. And don't forget to check out his podcast, Beat the Block, available on all major platforms. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. Peace out, man. 
is the first anime manga company to feature characters of color, bringing a level of flair and authenticity to the genre as a whole. With influences ranging from Japanese manga and animation, western comics, streetwear, hip-hop, and various forms of cinema, Noir has created a unique style that can be appreciated by the masses. Check out NoirCesar.com for more information. Welcome back to the True Chicago Sports Fan Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah. Let's give a warm welcome to our first guest of the new year. Oh, boy. Salsa recording artist in Chicago's very own, Enrique Calderon. Welcome to the show, brother. What's up, fellas? Happy New Year. Happy yes, 2021. Yes. Good riddance 2020. That's right. We made it past Jumanji. Yeah, we, we think that. But you know what I saw was really interesting on, uh, the other day? It says 2021 is basically the B-side of 2020. Oh, shit. I was like, oh, man. I, I was just ha- <laughs> At least it was a record reference, you know? Who told you that? Oh, man. It was, you know you know how the internet goes. Yeah, he needs to get Plus, gut punched. He said, be like, I'm not going to say anything bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. It is great to have you on the show. We've known each other for years. I've supported your music. I'm a big fan of music. I actually sent you, uh, before we came on air, I sent you a little snap of us listening to your music here in, in oh, the yeah. cave. And uh, nice. he's, like, he's like, man, this is, sounds like stuff we listen to in you know, anybody's Puerto Rican house. I'm like, that's a compliment. <laughs> well, and that, that, that was what we always talked. We actually yeah. talked about it last week. or uh, um, Yeah, we actually talked about it last week with Mikey O. And I told him, I says, look, I'm not Puerto Rican by blood, but I grew up, I was born in Humboldt Park. I, I grew up with all Puerto Rican people. It wasn't until I went to Lane that I realized there wasn't, uh, there was other people <laughs> other than black, white, and Puerto Ricans. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm entrenched in the culture, so I'm very uh, well aware of the music. And I'm like, yo, I, I know all this. Like, I don't know the songs by word, but I'm like, I know this music. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's a Mexican yeah. cat. I was like, yo, what is happening right now? Yes, that's right. <laughs> so it's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. I don't know if you want to get into how I got into salsa first yet or, or what you want to. Oh, we, we, we going to get there. No, we want to get there at some we, point. We want to start off. Where did you grow up, man? I grew up in Harvey, Illinois. Wow. Wow. There you go. We know some. Uh, we got some friends out there. We got some friends out there. And there's, there's some, there's some yeah. establishments I've been to over there. <laughs> grew up in Harvey, Illinois. Um, pretty much up until the age of 16. Okay. okay. Then uh, I went to uh, Thornton High School, Thornton Township High School. Shout out there to you go. Um, I was a I was an athlete. Oh yeah, what, what did you play? What sports did you play? I played football. Nice. No way. What position? Yeah. I played football. Play? I was a, I was a linebacker and a, a guard. Yeah. Whoa, down and dirty. That, yeah, baby. Uh, he likes playing I'm, down and dirty. I'm with it. I'm with it. And then towards towards the end, you know, I was I was a, just a linebacker, and then I was the uh, extra point kicker for a little bit. And uh, oh nice. You know, Jack of all trades. Yeah, man. I, you know, I, I didn't realize I had it in me, and a coach had me doing some, uh, some kicking for a little bit. I felt I always yeah. loved playing linebacker more than anything else. Oh, so hey, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a little Al Bundy on you guys, but oh, here we go. Okay. Let's four, do it. Let's four do it. Four touchdowns in one game. No, no, no. Just a little quick, quick nugget. Thorn Township, 1990. All right. High school state champs. Yeah, baby. That's you what's stay up. In the house, baby. No one can ever take linebacker. That's right. No one can ever take that that accomplishment away from you. So, I and, write and it. you know, we've had some some amazing athletes come out of Thornton Township, and you guys may know some of them. Okay. Antoine Randall L. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
Ty Streets. Okay. Okay. Napoleon Harris. All right. Wow. Okay. And then uh, one last guy. He 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 wasn't well known, but he played for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Barry Gardner. Okay. okay. Didn't Eddie Curry come out of there too? No, Eddie Curry's uh, Thornwood. Oh, Thornwood. Okay. She's one of our district schools. Gotcha, go. gotcha, gotcha. That's something like that. Um, Melvin, Melvin, Melvin Eli was a basketball player that came out of Thornton. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we, we only went to Lane, so we, you know, we only have you know thousands of famous people from so our school. So what I get to what I get to say <laughs> is that all those guys went pro. Yeah. But they could never win state championship in Illinois. Wow. This guy was that, that's it. So we got we got an Illinois <laughs> State champ here. Carlos. Yeah, we, we got a guy with two thumbs pointing at himself. <laughs> this guy. All right, right, all right, man. So, so Z Z tells me that uh, y'all went to uh, to college together too. Well, we didn't go to together, but we went, we're the same alma mater. Okay. Yeah, I, oh, I ended okay. up uh, ended up at Concordia University. Um, I played middle linebacker for a couple years over there. Yeah. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, Division three, Division three athlete. Yeah, but I mean, like that's better than Division nothing. I mean, right. a lot of these cats, you know, fizzle <laughs> in high school. You know. Yeah, I, I played. Yeah. At, I played at Commercial Park. I mean, that's as high as I got. <laughs> <laughs> I was Captain Crunch player of the game for their Super Bowl, so I, I, I got that little trophy at home. There man. you go. But... <laughs> so, yeah. so growing up in Harvey, man, I imagine that you're a Sox fan. Yeah, man. I remember as a little kid, my dad used to take me to go see Greg Kaczynski, and you know. Carlton Fisk, Harold Baines. I used to watch all those cats. So who who's your all-time favorite Sox player then? My all-time favorite Sox player? Yeah. I'm going to have to say um, Carlton Fisk, man. Oh, punch. I'm, I'm with punch. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, with it. Down yeah, and man. dirty. Just sticking with yeah, that, that he was, team, he was down and dirty. Awesome, man. He, was, he was just a mean old man and, by and the time he came to the Sox. And my memory, if my memory serves right, I mean, Greg Kosicki used to always come out with home runs. Oh, yeah, he was a bomber. Yeah, I remember that clearly. Can you? Harold Baines was a good one too, man. Oh, Harold yeah. Baines, yeah. Can you he's tell me? Super underrated. Oh, definitely, definitely. Can you tell me what your first Sox experience is like, or, or what what was it? I'm, I'm pretty sure it was old Comiskey, but walk, yeah. walk walk me through that. Your first experience with the Sox. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I was I remember that clear as day, man. We he's like we're gonna go to a baseball game, and you're walking up with your hand and ticket. I must have been probably about. Eight nine years old, somewhere around there. Gotcha. That's a good. That's time. a sweet spot. I yeah, remember the time spot. frame. I remember being way up high. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sweet spot seats. too. That's a sweet spot too. Yeah. <laughs> right, you working know, class. We're working class people. Right, you yeah. know. You know, where dad's on a on a welding, you know, budget. You know, he's that's, a welder. That's the blue collar seats. You know, yeah. So. Blue collar baby. Yeah, and so you know, blue collar. So, um, and just watching and watching baseball from there, you know. Uh, but as I got older and became a, a football player, then Sox kind of took a back seat. You know, I'm, I'm okay. more of a Bears. Yeah, and and that that typically typically happens whatever sport that you're involved in. Because I have a friend of mine who's a Patriots fan, and he's a hardcore Patriots fan. But he is also still? like randomly still. still? <laughs> I mean, like, and he's still a Tom Brady fan because okay. I, I keep seeing all the so stuff. He's, so he's a Brady fan. Well, I keep seeing all the stuff about the Bucks, and I'm like, okay, but but randomly, I feel like. He's also a very, very big tennis fan, so he would come and hang out at the house, and he's watching tennis. And I think he, I think he had like a relative that was uh, either a pro, pro player or a semi-pro player, okay. and that's kind of right. where he really got into it. So I mean, it's just kind of like all of a sudden you kind of take that that little avenue, and you're just really interested in that, and that's just kind of funny how that works out. 
So let me ask you a question. I mean, you know, we, we kind of got into it a little bit, but I mean, it's it's kind of weird a Mexican cat doing salsa music, man. Like, how did you get into that? It, it, you know, it's really a great story, man. I I ended up going to a place called Tropicana de Gache one oh, day. Oh, throwback. Okay. And this is this is in the year 19... 19- uh, 93 around there, 1993, 94. Yeah. You, you got to say it like in the year 1993. And have you guys ever seen the movie Mambo Kings? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, do you remember the scene when they walk into the Palladium mm-hmm. and the people are dancing on the dance floor and the fans yes. on stage? Yep. Okay. That's exactly what happened to me. Oh, I man. walked into this Tropicana de Cache. People on the dance floor, band on stage, amazing. And then I see this this, this Puerto Rican girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> that upset, that'll do it. That'll do it. That's it. That's the whole story. <laughs> End of story. Dancing right. with this big, this, this heavy set dude, right? Mm-hmm. And this guy was the lightest guy on his feet, and she was just amazing. And what they were doing on the dance floor, I was just like, "This is where I'm going to be for the, you know." For my rest going out of days. You know, if I'm going to go out to party, it's going to be at a salsa club. Okay. Period. Nice. So I don't want to go to Kaboom. I don't want to. Oh, wow. I don't want to do, I don't wanna go to China Club. Oh, <laughs> I want to go to Tropicana de Gachema. Yeah. Because it, it was just hot. It was fire, it man. Got it got you just, hooked. Yeah. Not, it, it wasn't just, that, you know, like on a Saturday night. It was like pretty much every day of the week you had yeah. some. That was the Latin place to be. Mm. If yeah. you wanted to go dancing, salsa dancing, merengue, all yeah. that stuff, if you wanted to go dance and you wanted to be seen, Tropicana de Caché was the place to be. I'm a little younger than you, so I didn't get to experience that, experience much of that. But yeah. from the older cats that I know I grew up with, yeah, they got stories upon stories upon stories mm-hmm. about how that was our little, like, Studio 54. Mm. Dude, it was... It was Thursday night. Tropicana was Tuesday night. Thursday night was Excalibur. Friday night was 720. <laughs> oh, yeah. 720s. That was like, my spot. Dude, I'm telling you, it was, it was just salsa for me five nights a week for me, man. So it and, sounds, and, it sounds you like know, you really got hooked into it when there was just a lot for you to be able to absorb and, and really kind of bring you into that part of the culture and just absorb it and, like, find your love yeah. for it. Yeah. And I, I, I walked up to those people and I introduced myself and I became friends with them, Puerto Rican girl and the big heavy set guy. Yeah. Turns out, turns out that that big heavy set guy was Mexican. <laughs> hey. Dancing his butt off, yeah, dude. Man. Yeah. And and I'm still friends with both of them. You know. That's, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm still friends with that's both amazing. of them. One's living in Puerto Rico and one's in Florida or something like that. So I imagine but, that with everything that's been going on in 2020, part you know, side A. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, you, that it's been kind of difficult for you to be able to, you know, perform and, and put out, you know, the music that, the way that you would like to. Tell us how that's uh, really affected you within the last year trying to perform yeah, and man, put I out mean, music. When March March 15th, March 25th was the last time that I was able to actually, um, I mean, we have to back up a little bit, but I'm also a promoter. So I'm the promoter of okay. Salsa Sunday, the Cubby Bear. That's right. Oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I've, I've been hosting that event every Sunday night for the past four years. And that was the last day that we had to close our doors for Salsa Sundays at Cubby Bear. Hold, so, hold on. Do the folks at Cubby Bear know you're a Sox fan? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
That's enemy territory. You already know. Hey, sal- salsa's universal, bro. That's right. That's right. I do. I do forbid. No, I'm kidding. I don't forbid anything. <laughs> we, we'll have some of the some of the bands that come through. We'll have wear their Cubs gear and stuff. Mm. So it's pretty, you know, I don't forbid it. But yeah, tell tell us a little bit about your struggles and what you had to go through in the past year. Yeah, I mean, well, the struggles is that there's there is no live music to to perform anywhere. There's no place mm-hmm. to go perform. Um, when it wasn't until September, late July, August, somewhere around there, where they started easing up a little bit, right? And me and a friend, we actually got the old uh, wild hair. You know the wild hair? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, it's I called love HVAC that joint. now. I used to it's love the wild HVAC hair. Now, no way. I've, I haven't been up we there need to, a while. We need to rewind and go back to that place because I had some great <laughs> times in that place. So if you don't know, Salcedo, my co-host is half Jamaican. Yeah, man. Ah. Yeah, so, so you know. So I, talking about wild hair. Yeah, I was. That's it, his stomping and ground. It was, and it was great because, ah. like, and, and I was around in Wrigley in the early 2000s and, like, the, the first, you know, from, like, 2000, 2005. I spent a lot of time there before they, you know, did all they did now. So, I mean, like, wild hair was the joint, man. I, like. I, I, I had good times like going backstage and hanging out with some of the reggae artists and you just kind of leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they revamped it. They remodeled it. I think they did some stuff and they opened it up as HVAC and me and my buddy, Carlos Aquino, okay. uh, started a Tuesday night salsa thing okay. with restrictions. Right. So we were able to do this for the month of September all through October when they shut us down again. Mm. Uh, it was from uh, literally from March until that September, we weren't really performing anywhere. Um, I think I had done one gig in the end of July uh, outside at Navy Pier. But that's right. That's right. Yes. Non-existent. So and let me let me ask you a question. We got, our, what... we got our fix in. We got our fix in for two months, September, October. But then after that, there's there's really nothing. So a lot of people, what they did is they either went on Instagram or they were doing YouTube to kind of do these live shows, like right. live shows, acoustic sets, things like that. Were you able to kind of like take advantage of any of that? Honestly, we we um. We did not do any of that stuff. It's just hard. You got a big old salsa band. There's there's really no easy way to do uh, a salsa band yeah. in an acoustic small set. You know, yeah. you, you need you need all the instruments. You need all the percussion. You need some singers. You need all that energy. You know, and to to put all that together, get all the mics. It's it's a little difficult. So, I just a little backstory. Me and Salcedo frequent this little place called Output Lounge. Lounge. That's right. Yeah. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to Eddie. And uh, shout out to Eddie. right, we would do uh, well a couple of things. You used to host a salsa kind of like one on one, how to dance salsa. And, yeah, and yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I was a regular there, and I'd be like, all right, well, let me get a couple couple cocktails in me. And once <laughs> Wait, I loosen up, that's called liquid courage. That's right, liquid courage. Is that? Exactly. I would go liquid to the courage. back, and I'm like, all right, bro, I'm ready. Teach me salsa, because I have two. Well, the thing, I have two left feet. <laughs> I do what I do. <laughs> the thing is, and I and I told you this on the side is like, because you're like, hey, why are you, why are you turning a girl left-handed? And I'm like, wait, first of all, I was born left-handed, and it wasn't told till I was 27 that I was born left-handed. So my whole mindset is backwards. So when yeah. my mom would teach me how to dance, she would teach me left-handed. This explains so much, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so like. He's like, dude, you're turning her the wrong way. And I'm like, well, this is the way my mom taught me. And she's left-handed. And I, when I would dance with her, I'm like, all right, cool. This is the way you do it. Salcedo was like, no. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> doing it completely <laughs> wrong. Absolutely That's wrong. Incorrect. So, like, it, uh, it, 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 to relearn that for you, my brain was very <laughs> difficult. So, 
shout out to him to teaching me how to dance <laughs> but, basic salsa. My favorite part of that was the shout out. A uh, shout out. <laughs> 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 also, Alpa would have random, uh, what you call it, uh, uh, karaoke, karaoke nights. nights. Yeah, see, he's right on, right on cue with me. Karaoke nights. So, Go ahead. So, so listen, so my, my story is that in 1998 to about 2004, that's when I was performing a lot. I was singing a lot. I sang with this guy, another local singer who's Mexican, Jesus Enriquez. Okay. And started, that's how I started my singing career um, here in Chicago, doing backup vocals for him. And then I started my own band with a couple other friends um, called La Unica. And La Unica went on from like, I want to say 2000, 2001 till about 2004 is when I left. Mm -hmm. Got married, had kids and stuff. So right. I stopped singing for about six, six, seven years. No way. Focus on singing on, on my family, you know, growing my kids and all that kind of stuff. Um, so let me ask 12, you, you know. let me ask you real quick while you're talking about how you really got started in singing. Who is your favorite salsa artist? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> too many to name, right? Don't think too no, hard. No, no, Gilberto Santa Rosa, man. That, Ooh. Okay. All right. That's the El Caballero. He, he is butter. Have you met him? Flo, have not met him. He, not he, he does come to Chicago like twice a year. Um, I actually have met him. Um, I can't remember those one of those clubs on Weed Street. Humble brag. That's right. That's right. I mean, Papa Gala. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a, he's a really, really nice guy. But he's one of my favorites. The reason he's one of my favorites because he's one of my mom's favorites. Mm. He, he's he's awesome, bro. He's he's amazing. This is how he uses his voice and, his, you know, his flow, his improvisational skills are off the charts, you know. Uh, if I'm going to go old school, Willie, Willie Rosario. Okay. Love it. Willie Rosario is one of the best old school uh Salsa music, if you ever want to listen to some of that stuff. I perform some of his music in my band. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to have to dig into some of this stuff. That's right. I'm yeah. a huge music guy, by the way. Like, I, I constantly have music playing. When the Bears game is on, I still have music in the background. Yeah. And I have the, the volume lowered. Yeah. So I, this is kind of stuff. I like a lot of, like, old school Cuban music, like Buena Vista Social Club. Yes. That's yep. my jam. Yes. Um, and then, you yeah, know, Puerto Rican that's, music that's the and roots, Southside. Right? That's, stuff. Those are the roots. And, and that's probably why I like it so much, just because... Being from being Caribbean, yes, my my family is Jamaican, so I feel steel a lot drum. of that. Like, you love that steel like, drum stuff. You yes. know what I mean? Like, it's a lot of beat, it's a lot of groove. I don't like aggressive, screamy music. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, when I listen to music, I want to chill. They're like, so no you need a Metallica. I'm so like, no I corn don't. for you, right? No, <laughs> no corn. No. All right. So we're gonna so, so go ahead. Fast forward, wait, but fast forwarding to, fast forward to 2012, 2013. Yes. Output karaoke nights. That's right. That's when I started kind of like singing again and getting used to That's singing. That's what's up. Again. Yeah, we, he was always yeah. requested to sing Yo No Se Mañana. Yo No Se Mañana. <laughs> and I remember this one time before we, we transitioned to our, our next segment. Remember this one time, they asked him to sing some Mexican music. Okay. And he didn't know the lyrics. <laughs> so I'm I'm literally at the bar. I'm at the bar <laughs> singing the lyrics to, I'm pretty sure it was like a Vicente Fernandez song. And I'm no, at the, I'm, I'm, he's the sitting, irony. right. He's sitting next to me, doesn't know the lyrics. And I'm singing, and I'm like, "You don't know the lyrics," and I'm like singing behind <laughs> him, kind of feeding him his lines. That's great. That's great. <laughs> All right. I must have been, been gone by that time. Nah, nah, you were still. <laughs> All right. So every week we come in with a topic, and we argue about a certain topic, and usually it's about food. So. 
It's that time again. Yeah, baby. That's right, E. It's that time for stirring a pot. Stirring a pot. Let's That's do it. right. E, what do you have to bring us into the new year? From the new year, I'm bringing in something from the old year. Oh, because, oh no, no, and I'm gonna no. Tell you, I'm going to tell you why. No. We're only a couple, year, a couple days into the new year, <laughs> and we're still talking about. We're still debating. We're still deb- uh, debating tamales versus pasteles. And the reason I want to bring this up is because when we had two different guests on to talk about this particular topic. They're both Puerto Rican. They were Puerto Rican That's cats. That's right. They so were guesses, biased. They were, they were very biased, and they voted both. For pasteles. Now, when we uh-huh. first did the question, yes. we did tamales, we did a taste test, we yes. still picked tamales. Yes. So now that we got a Mexican cat here, let's cap this off. Yes. Let's let's. There's no more milk left in this cow. <laughs> no. Nope. So so we're gonna ask you, tamales versus pasteles. Are you ready? Yes. Yes, please. Check mark tamales, my friend. There we go. (laughs) About time. Yes. Hey, but here, check now here. If you ever had this, do a tamale and fry it to a super crispy. Forget about it. I'm going to talk to Otto. Yeah, let's do this. Oh, Oh, yeah, we got to make some phone calls. Oh, man. Yeah. Tamales, fry them. Finally. Finally. Our our producer, Mikey O and Gabe, all, all disagreed. Yeah. So now we finally got backup. It's three on three, baby. That's right. That's right. I mean, the thing is, that on, I'm, I'm half and half, and I'm like, I'm going to go with tamales. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Same. <laughs> sorry, just can't do that. All right, man. Tamales, check mark. Did they win? Did they win? Uh, well, we're tied right we're now. We're tied so, right now. So we're going to call that a win. <laughs> we're calling it a W. Because we're the last ones to, uh, we, we have last say here. That's right. Okay. Well, All right, you, might, you still might you still might have a window because what Lo Reyes is coming yeah, up. Yeah, Lo Reyes is coming up. That's right. Then January we can 5th. go ahead and have one more one more segment with this oh, tamale. Uh, I mean, if someone wants to send us some tamales, I mean, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Before we let you go, tell us what you got going on right now, and tell us where we can find you on social media. All right, also on social media, you can find me on Enrique Calderon on Instagram. You can find me Enrique Calderon official. Uh, on all the digital platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, it's Enrique Calderon. Uh, this is how it sounds. All my music is there. About five singles up there right now. That's right. Coming up, I got two more that are going to be dropping soon on January and February. So Beautiful. You know, I'm not going to know what date exactly, but... Well, just let just, us know and we can put some flyers yeah, up on the page. Yeah, as long as you right. follow my page, as long as you follow my Instagram... I got some new, uh, interesting stuff, uh, something different coming your way. So I uh, hope, you know, everyone enjoys. Uh, I hope everyone's enjoying what I have now and then what, what's coming uh, for next year. Going to gonna start 2021 with, with a bang. Beautiful, beautiful. beautiful. That's great. Yeah. We, can't, we can't wait to hear what you got coming up soon. And uh, we'll definitely be behind you and, and promoting yourself. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, man. It, it's, it's been a pleasure to have you, got, have you on the show. Everyone, give a shout out. To Chicago's very own Enrique Calderón. Thank you guys. Thank you. One more thing, really quick. I've been listening to your show from the beginning. This is amazing. You guys are doing great stuff. Love it. I'm honored to be the first one of 2021 here for you guys. You guys keep this thing going. We're going to keep sharing and make sure that everyone knows about this stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. I legit got goosebumps after that, so I appreciate you. All right, Enrique, thank you so much for being here. Take care. Thank you. All right, buddy. 
All right, y'all, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, remember to give us a review and five stars on your listening app of choice. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And don't forget to hit that notify button for when we go live after the Bears games. And don't forget to love us and share our stuff and all that good stuff, y'all. <laughs> That's right. A huge shout out and thank you to our guest today, Enrique Calderon. Keep up with his music and what else he's got going on at Enrique slash or dash calderon.com there you go salsero yeah baby a big thank you to our sponsors Noir caesar villain radio studios and grit clothing company don't forget to check out gritclothingco.com and use our promo code true true fan 15 for 15 off your entire order shout out to ronesh and shout out to our super producer jay soto want to start a podcast or have your show sound as clean as ours you can find everything you need at jsotomedia.com super duper <laughs> super <laughs> producer check us out on social media you can find us at true shy fans on twitter and on tiktok find us on facebook instagram youtube spotify and reach out to us on our email we want to hear from you guys reach us at true chicago sports fans at gmail.com and don't forget to check out the All Net Podcast with Mike Logic and Ideal. Brand new episodes every other Monday coinciding with the NBA season. All right, y'all. For Big Z, this is E-Rock. We'll see you next week for episode 27. Until then, be good to each other. For the love of sports. Yeah, baby. <laughs> A grown man. I love it. <laughs> Got rammed. <laughs> <laughs>